Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this day that you've made. Lord, that you've ordained. Lord, that you have established. Thank you for your word, which is a, a lamp to our feet, Lord, and a light to our path. We thank you for your son, who you sent to take our place as a propitiation. You paid the price for us. We thank you for salvation. Thank you, Lord. It's because of you that we're able to be here today. And Lord, we center our mind and our heart and our thoughts on you. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to um, lay aside anything that may be distracting us. Lord, that anything that would stop us from hearing from you today, we thank you so much, Lord, that you desire to speak to each and every one of us. Our Lord, I pray that you would give us ears to hear and hearts that would be soft and supple to respond. In Jesus' name, amen. So we started this series called Defend and Contend to the End, and we are nearly at the end, actually. Uh, and Pastor Rob reminded us at the beginning that we're at war. And as the events unfolded on Wednesday, um, the tragic, horrific scenes unfolded, I was reminded that we are indeed at war and that the enemy has infiltrated this country like a plague. As I observed the consequences of this enemy being rebellion, hatred, lawlessness, and evil, for a moment, if I'm honest, I felt helpless. And I put my head in my hands, considering the fact that I was going to have to be standing here today, and I thought, Lord, really, is there any point? Is there any point in me turning up today to open the Bible? I mean, how can, how can this be relevant with regards to what we're seeing, on, seeing going on around us? How do, how do we answer that? Surely I'd be better off taking up martial arts or moving my family to the countryside or joining a political group. But then I thought, imagine if I could go back in time and speak with the Apostle Paul just before he's beheaded in his prison cell, if I had the privilege of being able to go back and saying to him, what would you suggest that I do? What would your advice be? What to do about Islam and other false religions and terrorism? What would he say to me? And then it dawned on me that he'd say exactly what he said over 2,000 years ago to Timothy in our text today. He'd say, preach the word. Preach the word. Because Paul understood that the real enemy is within, and I don't mean just in England, but in the heart of every human being on the face of this planet. See, if we removed every Muslim from England, from Europe, and if we were even able to get rid of Islam, there'd still be murders and other atrocities because the real problem is sin, which has brought death to the world and the only solution is Jesus who gives life. Jesus is at the very center of the gospel that Paul died, died for and Timothy is told to preach. I'm going to ask um, Brother Andrew if he could come and read our text for us today. 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 8. Please turn there in your Bible.
reading from verse 1 to 8, as Mark said. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myth. As for you, always be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Andrew. So as I said, Paul is in prison in Rome while Timothy, his son in the faith, is in Ephesus. So you need to, to, to think of this as a, as a, a, a father writing to his son, um, his last words, as it were, uh, before he leaves this mortal coil. Paul's about to be executed for being a Christian and for preaching the gospel. It's a scary thought. He's about to be executed for what I am about to do. Having told Timothy in 3, 15, verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 15 to 16, that all scripture is God-breathed. And I just considered that as I came in this morning, as I drove past the Jehovah's Witness stand, which said, do you really know what the Bible teaches? As I came in and I, and I considered that actually God's word is the only word that is God-breathed. God this, this Bible that we hold is God-breathed. There's no other book like it, no other teaching like it. And therefore, it's sufficient for all of life and ministry. Paul wants to get to Timothy's full attention with a very serious charge. So if you look with me at verse one. I charge you, he says, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom, verse one. So Paul reminds Timothy and all pastors that all they do is under the watchful eye of the almighty God. It's both a, a comforting and a, a humbling and a sobering thought that if you desire to be in ministry, God's eye is on you. He's there to protect you and to keep you, but he's also there to ensure that you're faithful. So any pastors or leaders or anyone who would desire to preach God's word, then let that be an encouragement and a warning to you as it is to me. Jesus is the one who will judge him, Timothy that is, and indeed everyone on his return. You've already had, the, the, you've got your, your money's worth there already, you've already learned that actually Jesus is gonna judge the whole earth. He's gonna judge everyone. He has all authority in heaven and earth. He's gonna stand in judgment of all that you have ever done and all that I've ever done and we know that we're guilty, don't we? We've broken God's laws, we've lied, we've cheated, we've stolen. We haven't put God first. 
We haven't loved him as we should do. As our creator, we have not given him our best. Notice, as always, that Paul has the end in sight. We've been looking at it as we've gone throughout. Um, Chris Green, one of the lecturers at, uh, at college, makes a comment, these comments on this first verse. He says, in, in, in this verse, there are four elements. So you've got the reality of God's presence, that Jesus Christ is the judge, and that Timothy should be exercising his ministry in the light of Jesus' appearing and kingdom. So these, these, this is what, what is on mind for Timothy here, for Paul, sorry. Um, together there are, are the context for which Paul's solemn call to loyalty is delivered. So if you look, in verse, look down in verse eight, hopefully you've got your Bibles with you. You see, which the Lord, the righteous judge, there it is again, and, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. And then in verse 17, that the Lord stood by me. Here again is a reference to, to God's presence. So this is in, he, Paul does ministry and he's encouraging Timothy to do ministry with these things in mind. So there's nine commands in this text, but really they all stem from the first command, which leads me to my first and only point, you'll be, you'll be glad to hear, uh, which is King Jesus is coming back, so preach the word. So the word that you, Paul uses for preach is caruso. And I've got a few Greek scholars in here today, so I'm sure they'll tell me I've pronounced it wrong. Um, you can speak to me afterwards about that. Uh, and it means to herald or to proclaim a message publicly with conviction. It's not, it's not the, the, the type of preaching that we think of that everybody says, you know, don't, don't preach at me, I don't, want, I don't want to listen, get in somebody's face. But it is a, the public heralding. It's, 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 what's on focus here is public ministry the public ministry of a, of a church leader, of a pastor. Remember, Timothy is a, a church leader. He's a pastor. So really, the, the primary application today is for church pastors. But there's also so application for all of us to take away, so don't go to sleep. So remember when Paul is talking to Timothy, he was a pastor. So this, was, this is what a Christian pastor must do. So when he says, I charge you, this is a command. And he says, in, in light of, imagine, so God is, God, God is here and Jesus Christ, who's going to judge all that you do, Timothy, I'm not suggesting that you preach the word. I'm commanding that you preach the word. This is something you must do, and also all pastors must do. So what's the, ref- the word referring to? If we look back to verse 14. <clears throat> Alexander, sorry, I'm talking about third, chapter three, verse 14, sorry. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have firmly believed, knowing from whom you have learned it. So, so talking about continuing what he's already learned and, and how from childhood you have been acquainted with the sacred writings, the sacred writings are referring to the Old Testament. And also in verse 16, all scripture, which has been mentioned already. So the word is all of scripture, all of, all the, all of God's revealed word. And even in, uh, where it mentions all scripture there, uh, it also, at this time, there, there was, um, this, what was beginning to happen was, scripture, Paul was using, was, was quoting, um, he say, I think in Luke 10, Luke 10 verse 7, he quotes Jesus, where he says, the laborer deserves his wages, and he says, that this, 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 he, he calls that scripture, so already at this point, this is, is beginning to refer to the New Testament also. So by preach the word, Paul means preach the gospel, the whole Bible points to Jesus, doesn't it? The gospel is the message of Jesus from the Old Testament and the New Testament. 
So the scriptures are to be, the cent- be central to the life of the Christian pastor. I mean, I shouldn't really have to say that, should I? It should be obvious. But sadly, it isn't. Clearly, it wasn't here for t- for in Timothy's context, and, it, and we know that it isn't today. So not like the false teachers who use the scriptures to argue their pet theories. And, and also, we're not faithful with regards to its true meaning. So remember, two, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 Timothy needs to rightly handle the word of truth. I was uh, met a, uh, a sister this week, um, Ghanaian lady, who uh, said that her dad was a pastor, and I was really encouraged. To, if I'm honest, she said that she, she said she was Ghanaian. She said she went to church, and in my mind, immediately I thought, ah, oh, but it's it's probably off key. It's probably it's probably not a faithful church. It's probably maybe maybe a prosperity preaching church. And I was so encouraged to hear her say that actually, no, her dad is all about the word. And she said, no, we're not into the prosperity gospel. We love God's word and we want to be faithful to it. Um, he preaches expositionally each week in and week out. And I was, I was so encouraged to hear that. So imagine if you're about to die and you're going to write a letter to your friend. What would your last request be? What would be the thing that you say, this is, this is what you must do? So of all things, Paul could say, he says to preach the word. Tell people about what God has revealed to us about himself and our desperate state and need for a saviour. And the best news of all, that God himself is that saviour in Jesus. I mean, obviously, it's, when, you, when you consider that, it's, it's obvious that he would say that. When is Timothy to preach the word? So if we look back, back at our verse, be ready in season and out of season. This could either be referring to Timothy or to his hearers. So it could be a case of, look, Timothy, when, when you're feeling like it, when you're up for it, when you're, when you're on fire, preach the word. But also when you're not, when you're not feeling like it, when you're struggling, you continue to preach the word. Or it could be referring to his hearers. It's, I imagine it's more likely to be referring to his hearers. So when it's convenient for you to preach, and people want to hear it when they want to listen, preach and when they don't want to listen, when they're walking out the door and they're not interested, you continue to preach. When the the numbers are dwindling, you need to continue to be faithful to God's word and to preach, regardless of what's going on within the culture. Timothy was in a situation where people in the church were preaching lies, weren't they? By opposing the truth, and they were in the majority, and he was having to stand alone as a pastor. Many pastors today in similar situations where the congregation is not really interested in hearing the Bible preached, the Bible opened. Actually, they, they want stuff that's going to, as we're going to go on to look at, that's going to tickle their ears. I remember saying to a pastor, I was suggesting to him that he, he might want to preach expositionally. So where you, exposition, it's just basically exposing the, the meaning of the text and then applying it to people's hearts. Um, and he said that he tried that once and he, he, he himself actually enjoyed it, but his congregation weren't interested. They didn't like it. They just wanted topical preaching, so he went back to topical week in and week out. He was swayed by the opinion because of the pressure. He was on his own, and those around him were, were, were against him. And Timothy is obviously in a situation, same situation, and many pastors will find themselves in that same situation. We're blessed to have three pastors here, but many are on their own. How is he to preach, verse 2? He's to use the scriptures as they should be used. So to reprove, which is to correct a person's behavior or false doctrine by using careful biblical argument to help them to see their error. So it's not just saying you're wrong, 
but it's actually helping somebody to see, actually, can you see what you believe, how it doesn't line up with Scripture, and therefore you need to, to, to correct and be corrected. Rebuke, correcting a person's motives by convicting them of their sin and leading them to repentance. This is what the faithful preaching of God's word will do. It's going to bring conviction. To exhort, which is probably what mostly happens in most churches, in many churches across the land, this more than the others maybe, which is to thoroughly encourage, to fill up with encouragement, and we need this, oh how we need this, don't we? We need to be encouraged. We get down to it and we, we struggle, and, it, 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 and this Christian walk is not easy. We do struggle, and we need to be encouraged by God's word. And I just thought that the, the, we've been looking at what it means to be a healthy church, and a healthy church has, is going to have all of these aspects in their preaching, and, and obviously, as we go through God's word, this is what we get. We have times of encouragement, times of challenge, times of rebuke, all from God's word. As you just work your way through it, these issues come up, and God is able to apply his word to different situations. So all of these elements make for, a health, for healthy disciples. Now please notice that Timothy was to do this with complete patience and teaching. You see that at the end of the verse there. I was thinking about in um, Jamaica, it's quite commonplace, went to Jamaica a little while back, quite commonplace for preachers to, to be holding the word, but they're, hmm, yes, sister so-and-so, and to be exposing, to, to be using the word actually to beat people up um, and really... Um, abusing the position that they have. Timothy's not to do that. He's to be patient. And he's to, to explain the Bible patiently, to be patient with people. He's to love people, isn't he? And that's what you should expect from a pastor. He's not just somebody who's going to come and give you a message, but actually someone who is involved in some way in your life. Now, obviously, as the bigger the church gets, the more difficult that is. But there should be, a, there's a, a personal aspect that you sense that actually this person genuinely cares about me. It's not just that he's just delivering a message or he's just giving me some information. But there's a genuine care and concern. Unlike these false preachers who didn't care. They were in it for themselves. They were taking advantage of women, weren't they, as we, as we looked at last week. So Timothy needed to love those under his care. Look, look them in the eye and preach to their hearts. Why must he preach the word? Verse 3. For the time is coming and if you go back to, don't go there now, but if, if you look back in chapter 3, verse 1 to 9, you can see that this time he's talking about, and the fact that obviously um, Paul's encouraging Timothy what to do in this situation shows that it's not a time in the future, but it's a time that has already arrived. The time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. Why must he preach the word? People were going to exchange the truth for a lie. They weren't going to listen anymore to the Bible faithfully preached. Wrong desires will lead to wrong teaching, which will lead to wrong living. Paul says to Timothy, you need to preach the word because people are going to need the truth preached. And we take for granted around here, don't we, obviously, that we're going to hear the truth. Um, and yet there are many churches where people are not hearing the truth. People are opening, opening the Bible, but they're not actually hearing the truth proclaimed, or they're hearing a twisted version of the truth, which is not the truth, is it? Thank God that we have the truth in his word, and those who preach, stand, myself in, included, in a, in a scary position. It's funny because I was on my way, and my daughter said to me, Dad, well, one, she said, how long are you going to be? Which is always a, a, a good question. But she said... Um, 
why, why do you take so long to, st to study, basically? And one is because I'm, I'm just very slow and dense. Um, but she, she said, you know, I imagine if you were going to speak for 45 minutes, you'd probably need to study for five hours. And I said, actually, like the, the kind of standard, what, what I heard anyway, was an hour a minute. Um, but I'm sure maybe, maybe one day I'll, I'll, I'll get there. But there needs to be faithfulness in preparing God's word, faithfulness in preaching. I could have just turned up today, couldn't I? I just said, actually, I'm not going to bother preparing. But that wouldn't be faithful. That wouldn't really be me understanding even the text that we're looking at today. Being reverent to the fact that God is watching, God is expecting that I will be faithful. First Timothy 6.9 says, But those who, are, who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmless desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. Thinking about the fact that people have itching ears, they have these desires, and then they find people who are going to actually tell them what they want to hear. So yet there are many, church, many in church who, want, who long to be rich, with regards to um, the, the finances. And so they search, and not that hard, it's not difficult, is it? You just switch on the, the God channel or visit any local church, probably on the high street. They search for, for churches and teachers who will satisfy their itching ears with preaching that suits their desires. Men and women who will not be faithful to declare the whole counsel of God, but will week in, week out, preach about money and how God wants you to be rich. It's a man-centered gospel where you're at the center of it. God really just exists to bring you pleasure and to glorify you, not the other way around. He's there as a piggy bank. Men who will tell you, you're a king's kid. You're the head and not the tail. You're blessed going out and blessed coming in. God speaks things into being. He has creative power. Therefore, you're God's child. You too have creative power. Speak to your bank account. <laughs> say money cometh. I'm ashamed to say that that was me once. Walking around my house, money cometh, money cometh. Well, no, the money still doesn't come. <laughs> Sickness, that's not your portion. Throw away your medication and just have faith. Remember, your God's anointed. And if anyone challenges you with regards to your beliefs or desires, tell them, touch not the Lord's anointed. These teachers are not without Bibles, but they are not teaching faithfully what the Bible teaches. They don't sit under the authority of God's word, submitting to it. They want to make God's word a slave to their own selfish desires. Now, I've got a confession to make. I, not too long ago, had a desire to have, we need to, we need to get a new car, a desire to have a, a Volvo XC90. Um, nice car, I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, and that desire turned into uh, me having my heart set on it. I, I got to the point where I kind of had my heart set that I was going to have it. Began to read the reviews, and most of the reviews um, very kindly informed me the, the cold, harsh truth that you can't afford a Volvo XC90 mark. The running cost will kill you. But my ears were itching, so I ignored. I used to skip over the bad reviews, and I, I'd find the, the odd one that said, we just talk about how great the car was and how nice it was to drive and 
thankfully, by God's grace, he's delivered me and we've moved on and, and it's, it's no longer an issue. Uh, confession's good for the soul. I've got it out there. Thank you, Lord. So it's one thing when it's a car, but what you, li- but, but what you listen to, what you're taught, is important, isn't it? It's important that when you came out today that you surely, hopefully, you decide that you're going to hear the truth because it's going to affect your life seriously if you apply what you hear, positively or negatively. It seems like that was the case of the two murderers in Woolwich, doesn't it? They said that they found tapes in their car and that they'd been listening to extremist preachers who were preaching hatred. And then the consequences were horrific. I just want to read from, if you can turn your Bibles from Roman, to Romans 14. Verse 10. And I think I've written down the wrong passage. Maybe it's 13. Sorry. I'll come back to it, sorry. Paul had held fast to the truth and wanted Timothy to do the same and to preach that truth. And like I said to you, God's word is true, isn't it? Thank God for that. You're not doing the sign already, are you? Okay. Jay said she was going to give me the sign when it was 50 minutes. I was going to say that was quick. Um, Yes, I pulled and held fast to the truth and wanted Timothy to do the same and to preach that truth. God's word is true. And it teaches us truth about the origins of life, the purpose of life, who God is and who we are, what the problem is with mankind and also the solutions to man's problems. Without the truth of God's word, we're all just fumbling around in the dark with no hope. All that we'll be left with is myths, fairy tales, as we see here with these guys in our text. Timothy is to persevere with preaching the word, even when all those at church don't want to hear it. When people start leaving because their ears are itching and the numbers start to dwindle and the tithes and offerings decrease and the rent on the church is due, Timothy is to continue to preach. Verse 5 as for you, stark contrast now, Timothy, as, as, as Paul can t- always likes to draw these contrasts. As for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. Timothy is to keep his head. He's to keep his head with regards to, to preaching. He's to be sober-minded and endure suffering. And anybody knows, as we've been looking through, that if you stand up for the truth, if you preach the gospel, you're going to suffer. Jesus' life was taken. Paul here is about to have his head taken from his shoulders for preaching the gospel. Timothy is going to suffer for preaching the gospel. All who, who desire to stand up for the truth are going to suffer. Now while not all Christian ministers are going to lose their life for preaching, we will suffer for it, won't we? For being believers, even as we... we read I think back in chapter 2 it says all who desire to live a godly life will suffer but God's grace will strengthen them and that's key here we see Paul continuing constantly mentioning and referring to the grace of God that enables him that equips him that empowers him to persevere 
Timothy is to do the work of an evangelist, which is another reference to preaching the gospel and to fulfill his ministry, which is, is, is to persevere, is to, to complete the course. Preaching is to be central. So what is your attitude towards faithful Bible preaching? Have a think about that just for a second. Do you come to church, honestly, excited about hearing from God's word, excited about hearing from God, expectant that someone's going to open the Bible and preach from it, but also to be faithful to that, to preach what the text is saying? Do you pray for your pastors, for our pastors here, as they stand up and preach, before they preach, while they're preaching? Are you praying for me now, or are you just thinking, keep it moving, I've got somewhere to be? Hmm. Obviously, a lot of you probably are thinking that. I still love you. I covet your prayers to grow and to develop in my preaching. I realize that I'm um, a novice in many ways. Um, and yet, um, I, I thank God for his grace, even to enable me to, to stand. But I do ask that you would continue to pray that the Lord would help me to be more faithful, to be more, more clear, more concise. Um, I have a dream where one day I'm not going to have, I'll have notes, but I'm not going to have, be so tied to my notes. That's a dream of mine. Um, but the point I'm making is, is there's, there's a response from you guys to be not just coming and thinking, okay, tell me what I want to hear, or you better be good, or actually, why is it you this week? I wanted my man to be, to be up. Um, or how long are you going to be? Rather, we should be thinking, actually, is this person desiring to be faithful? They may not be perfect, but... Uh, is there an, a, a reverence for God's word? And therefore, how can I encourage them? How can I pray for them? How can I spur them on? There's a great little book called Listen Up by Christopher Ash, And you probably want, for me, you, there's a section in it that says how to listen to bad sermons. Uh, but it tells you how to listen to all different types of sermons and what your attitude, your heart attitude should be in preparing your heart before you come and listen to God's word. Um, and we have it. I don't think it's at the back table, but I'll, have, I'll get it for next week, and it's just a, just a pound. Um, but I found it very helpful with regards to me preparing my heart to actually come and listen to God's word and appreciate faithful preaching. Do you spend most of your time on Sunday wishing you were listening to somebody else? If you read through Paul's letters to Timothy, he's constantly giving himself as an, as an example to encourage Timothy. So look at verse 6 and 7. It says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Paul reflects on his imminent death by using an Old Testament picture of the drink offering. So in, in the sacrificial system, it would be the last offering, you'd have a burnt offering, then a grain offering, and then a drink offering would be the last. And so using this imagery now of this is his last sacrifice, as it were, Paul considers himself to be being poured out, which is interesting, isn't it? The sense of this is God's mission, this is something that God is doing. He is a servant unto God. He's not doing it in his own strength and his own power, but he's being poured out. He's being spent, his life's being spent following Christ's example. And like I said, because of his, his focus, not 
being on this earth, but he's considering the, the salvation of the elect. That's why he preaches the gospel. He told us that. That this, 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 is, this gospel is, is worth more than his life. He's convinced of that. He doesn't just say that in word, but it's evident that he's, he's suffered greatly for it. Paul was called by God to preach the gospel and to suffer for it. Acts 9, 15 to 16, you can go there in your own time and see his commissioning by the Lord. And that's exactly what he did, and he did that until the end. He was faithful to the end. He persevered to the end. Now, if you're not careful, you could think that Paul is kind of bragging um, about fighting. Sorry. And running his race and keeping the faith. But that would be to misread Paul. That would be to misread uh, Timothy, as we've looked at. I think it's back in 1, 8 to 9. We see that, God, that Paul was very clear that he's running this race. He's, he's able to persevere purely and only and solely because of God's grace, because of God's enabling, God's power, God's goodness to him. And that's the same for any Christian minister, isn't it? And really the same for any believer here today. How, do, how, do we, how can we persevere in this this uh, race, how can we continue to stay faithful when it's only purely and solely by us trusting in the grace which is given to us in Christ, looking to him and a sense of looking forward to, for what is to come. This, this week I listened to, just accidentally, I was dri- driving in to somewhere early in the morning and John MacArthur came on and he was um, preaching, he's uh, in a sermon series with regards to um, what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be like. So what's it going to be like once we leave uh, this earth? And no word of a lie, I was moved to, literally to tears. As, as it was, only, it was a, a simple thing in many ways, but it just, it just blessed me as he, as he talked about the fact that, they, he talked about the, the, the amount of transfiguration um, and how uh, the disciples were able to identify um, Moses and how we in the new heavens and new earth will be able to identify one another. There'll be a, a sense of being able to identify one another and that we'll see those who have gone before us. And so we'll know oh, that's Moses over there, that's Paul over there. Um, and that I will be reunited with, part, with believers of, and I know that, but just as I, as I was reminded of it, uh, it gave me great hope again. And, 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 and I considered the fact that I think we often struggle with this walking out this Christian walk because we're not looking forward, we're not forward thinking, we're so tied to what's going on in the world because we don't meditate enough in God's word with regards to what does our future hold? What is in store for us? So what would, be, what would prove that that's true? How many of you really, if the Lord were to say, right, I'm going to take you right now, would say yes, hopefully there'll be some hands go up, say I'd go now, but I'm sure many of you would be actually, Lord, I've still got some stuff to do, I wanna just live a bit longer, or I wanna go on holiday, or I wanna, whatever it is, which is ridiculous in light of what's in store, but I think that's because we don't think enough, we don't read God's word enough and meditate on, wow, what is in, what's, what's, what's coming, and, and, and talking about that in our conversations. Um, encouraging one another in that, in it, so that it's going to be easier for me then to persevere and think, I'm, I'm, I'm working towards what's coming. I'm going to be with Christ. 
And that is actually far better than what actually I'm tied to here. That's something to look forward to and also to motivate me and, and, and help me to persevere now with regards to this Christian walk. And it's the same for any um, pastor or leader. So the, the rewards for grace, empowered, faithful service far outweigh all of the suffering. The word for crown is what was used for a victory wreath given to the winner of a race. So you know you've got those kind of the victory wreaths. So Paul's kind of using this athletic uh, imagery again here. Um, so when he mentions crown, that so could mean that it was uh, awarded for righteous living. So here's, here's a crown because you've, you've, been, you've been faithful, you've, you've completed the task. Um, it's more likely referring to the receiving of Christ's perfect righteousness. So we think about Romans and the three stages of salvation. Um, justification, so initially we, we, we come and, and we're, we're forgiven, uh, we're justified, we're, we're made right with God, um, and yet we're still in this, in this body, we still struggle with sin, so it's not, it's not, it's not a perfect, um, complete, sinless um, state. We're being sanctified by God's Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, sorry. We're being sanctified. We're being made practically righteous. Um, so hopefully we're, as they say, uh, sinning less. We're not sinless, but we're, we're, as we go on in our, in our faith, we're um, becoming more and more like Christ. And yet there's glorification that awaits. So this is what this could be talking about here. This perfect righteousness is in Christ, glorification, which is awaiting us, which I can't even begin to fathom what it would be like to, to be without sin. So Paul persevered with preaching the word because he looked to Jesus for strength and longed for his appearing. How about you? Are you longing for his return? Does that motivate you, the fact that Jesus is coming back? And also, does it stir you and, and spur you on to greater faithfulness for him as you consider those around you who need to hear this word preached? This, as I said, the application is first and foremost here to pastors, but as we think about our, our sharing the gospel with others, our, 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 our debating with others, is it just from our own experience that we're talking? Are we, just, are we taking them to, to some fancy? Are we t- taking what we have learned from God's word and, and applying it to that situation? Are we, are we bringing people to the word of God and helping them to see this is what God's word says? And obviously we need to be in it, studying it for ourselves uh, in order to do that. Have you given up on the preaching of God's word? Are you like, you know what, actually, I just want my ears tickled. I want to go somewhere where the spirit's moving. The spirit's moving. It's often, I've heard so many times, you know, uh, yeah, kind of Calvary Chapel, they're all about the word, aren't they? But there's not really a move of the spirit here, as if the two can be separated. Um, have you itching ears? Are you frustrated as people begin to open the Bible and say, oh, okay, we've been going through Timothy for how long now? And I've heard this over and over again. Are you frustrated? Christian race is long and sometimes hard, but you will make it as you draw strength from the grace that is in Jesus, as you look forward to the certain reality of his return and you long for him. Pray that you will not stop listening to the truth, proclaim from God's word, and that you will apply it to your life in order to be changed. And pray for preachers and for churches in this land that they would 
return to God's word, that they would be faithful, that they desire to be true, and continue to pray for your leaders here, um, that they likewise would be faithful. And don't give up on the preaching of God's word. Pray with me. Father, we thank you so much for your grace. Um, Lord, thank you for your word. And Lord, we thank you for preaching. Lord, that it's foolishness to many. It has no power in and of itself as far as the world is concerned. And yet, Lord, we thank you that you use it to ignite faith. Lord, to draw men unto yourself. It's uh, a means of grace that you've chosen to point people to their desperate need for you and to the Lord Jesus Christ, the only hope for this world. Lord, we thank you and pray, Lord, that you would help us not to give up on preaching your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Praises rising, eyes are turning to you. We turn to you. Hope is stirring, hearts are yearning for you. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us, worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna, come have your way among us, we welcome you here, Lord Jesus. Sound of hearts returning to you. We turn to you in your kingdom. Broken lines are made new. You make us new. When we see you, Lord, when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Washed away. Hosanna. Hosanna. 
Who are the God who saves us? Worthy of all our praises. Hosanna, Hosanna. Come have your way among us. Welcome you here, Lord Jesus. When we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears are washed away. Because when we see you, when we see you, we find strength to face the day. In your presence, all our fears, they are washed away. Washed away. Hosanna. Hosanna. You are the God who saves us. Worthy of all our praises. Hosanna. So Lord, as we go forth this week and we remember that we're to abide in you and then we will bear much fruit, Lord, to abide in your word, Lord, to abide in your spirit, Lord, that your word would permeate us through and through as we, as we take it on board through preaching, as we share it in our works and homes and lives by preaching, Lord God, and ultimately by your spirit and for your name's sake we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.